Johansson, no, it's Sarah McManus with the hit to front, going in! Canada takes the lead on. Scores this, then there, and he's done it! Canada beating the Black Sticks! Hey there, welcome to The Scoop, the official podcast of Field Hockey Canada. My name is Shahid Devji, and this is the June 2017 edition of The Scoop. It is our second ever episode, and if you're returning from the first episode, we thank you for joining us again. And if this is your first episode, we hope you stick around for today and for the episodes upcoming. And a reminder, of course, that this show is about field hockey in Canada, not just ice hockey in Canada. Today's feature interview is with Kate Wright. She is the captain of the Canadian women's national team, formerly known as Kate Gillis. She is the uh, leader in all-time games played for the women's national team. She's tied with Steph Jamison in that right. And in our feature interview today, we're going to talk to her about how she got her start in hockey and her journey throughout on the field, but also off the field. She is married to former men's national team player Philip Wright, who had had an illustrious career of his own and is a part of the Wright family of hockey. So we'll talk to her about that and how it got started. That's an interesting story. Uh, But before we do, we've got a lot to talk about on the show. And before we get into that, we just want to mention that everything referenced here today in the show will be linked in the show notes at fieldhockey.ca slash podcast. Links to everything and all the articles we mentioned uh, will be there. You can also stay up to date with everything field hockey in Canada by following our social channels on Twitter at Field Hockey Can. On Facebook, just search Field Hockey Canada. On Instagram, stay up to date by watching our Instagram stories for the latest and, uh, of course, all the posts in addition to that at Field Hockey Can and on YouTube, just search Field Hockey Canada as well. So let's get into the first segment of our show, the What's New segment. And with the World League semifinal set to begin in just a matter of days, a lot of this segment is focused on Canada's senior men. Now, the guys are gearing up for London and looking for a top five finish to earn a spot at next year's World Cup in India. And to gear up, they just went to France for a set of exhibition matches. Now, these were not officially sanctioned matches, just sort of a stop on the way to London for the men uh, to play three games against the French, who are ranked a few spots below, but certainly a good team. And there was a lot of history there between Canada and France. They met at the last World League round two. Sorry, not the last one, not the one before that, but the one before that in 2013. Uh, They met in a game that had a lot of implication, so there was some, uh, I guess, some bad blood that was developed uh, between those two teams in that game. They then met at the 2014 Champions Challenge, and both teams have been on on the rise since then. Canada's men have gone to the Olympics, and the French uh, have a lot of guys from their junior team now on that senior team and are are climbing the ranks and had a a really good showing at the the most recent World League Round 2 in 2017 where they took another Olympic team, Ireland, to a shootout in the final, and they booked their ticket to the the World League semifinal in Johannesburg uh, in July. So both teams very good. Both teams uh, looking at these matches in France as a way to prepare for the World League semifinal. Uh, Canada came out of that series with France with 
two losses and one draw. So maybe not the most ideal results in those three warm-up games, but it was the first time the guys were back together since World League Round 2 in Trinidad and Tobago uh, at the end of March. A lot of guys uh, playing all over all over the world, really, and uh, the rest training in Vancouver. And interim head coach Paul Bundy says there are a lot of positives to take on and off the field for the Canadian men. What it's given us is it's, it's hardened us from a, uh, a uh, you know, a, a team perspective where, you know, we're bonding pretty well together. You know, we've obviously got a guys back from Europe, uh, so those guys are getting back in, flows back in, obviously the replacement with Richie back in. You know, Tapa coming in from Scott Ryder and Keegan in from Mohammed. It's getting everybody in together. So what it's done is it's brought us, you know, together a bit. Uh, we're not playing any much different than what we were before. Um, you know, we changed one or two things, but it's it's pretty much the way we've been playing or the way we've been projecting we wanted to play. The team is now in London getting ready for World League 3, but one of the team members who did not make the trip from France to London is James Kirkpatrick. Now, James suffered a broken collarbone in Game 1 against France two minutes into the first game. So unfortunate for him. He was actually a part of the World League 3 or World League semi-final team in 2015 that uh, had an epic upset over New Zealand and ended up basically clinching their uh, 2016 Olympic berth. So he was looking forward to getting back to World League 3 with the Canadian men, but that broken collarbone won't let him do that. Uh, He's replaced by Richard Hildreth, who is a a midfielder who has a ton of experience, 154 games played for Canada. He's played in a World Cup and and Pan Am games and uh, won a gold in 2007 at those Pan Am games. And he's looking to help Canada get back to the World Cup for the first time since 2010, where he played in India. So Richard Hildreth replacing James Kirkpatrick on the World League 3 team. Unfortunate for James, but uh, a good replacement for him in Richard Hildreth. Now, before the men went to London from France, they did have a, a little bit of time and they trained on a couple of the days that they had, but they also had an off day. And on that off day, the team visited the Canadian War Memorial at Vimy Ridge in what is the 100th anniversary of the Battle of Vimy Ridge, where Canadian soldiers battled and defeated the German 6th Army, capturing the important high ground. According to men's national team veteran Mark Pearson, who had a relative fight in World War I, it was an unforgettable experience. I think the guys um, all kind of know about Vimy and um, have heard some stories and know that it was an important moment in Canadian history and that it is a little piece of Canadian soil here close to us in France. Um, so when we did have the day off, I think it was was high on guys' priority list and I was really surprised and excited to see that when Celia put up the list, there was, I think, 18 guys put up their name, you know, within, say, 12 hours. So um, I think it was it was really cool and to see that, you know, even the younger guys that maybe wouldn't wouldn't be as engaged with with Canadian history were were pretty excited to go and um I think once we were there it was it was pretty um yeah it was pretty emotional for guys I think it's a it's a pretty amazing memorial from an architectural perspective and then seeing the battlefield still in sort of um in its still in the same shape that it was um 100 years ago um 
is pretty incredible. And Some great photos that came out of that visit to the uh, War Memorial at Vimy Ridge. And if you head over to fieldhockey.ca, there's an article posted there with a couple of the photos. Uh, and on Instagram, a lot of the guys were posting photos themselves there. So head over to at fieldhockeycan on Instagram for those. So when the World League Round 3 starts in London on Friday, and actually on Friday for Canada, the the tournament actually starts on Thursday for the rest of the teams or many of the other teams, but when Canada hits the field on Friday against Pakistan in Game 1, John Smythe will be playing in his 50th game for Canada. Now that is quite the feat on its own, but for Smythe, it's even more impressive considering he has been dealing and living with Crohn's disease for every one of those games. So when my junior cycle, when it first hit, I was just gone. I was so far gone that it was, field hockey wasn't a priority anymore. And then I went for a good four year hiatus and I didn't expect to be playing for the national team ever. I didn't think I was gonna get one cap rather than, now I'm sitting here almost getting my 50th. And then uh, I've, I've been super blessed to have a team of doctors that are just on board with playing for the national team and and that's how they they see that and that's how they kind of assess okay we're going to go with this medication and then potentially after you play we're going to get you off of that so uh, my gi's been really good at you know always trying to get me to that next level so now it's 50 caps and you know eventually i want to make that world cup team and an olympic team and you know after that it's probably going to be pushing even more so he's not going to be too happy about that So that's where we will leave it for the men's national team update. Of course, uh, over the next few days before World League Round 3, the World League semifinals and Canada's first match on Friday, we will be posting preview material at fieldhockey.ca. So stay tuned there and make sure you uh, get your fix and get all set up for the tournament, which I'm sure will have some drama if it's anything like the 2015 tournament. On to an update for the women's national team, and they've been getting ready for the Pan Am Cup in August. They're back in full force training in Vancouver, and joining them on the field is Kathleen Leahy, who was back training after tearing her ACL on October 17th of last year. Seven months later, she's back with the team, and that's quite the feat for a torn ACL. It's not the first time Leahy has had an injury of this kind, but this time she had to make the decision to either risk further injury and play at less than 100% or miss a couple of key events in the CIS Nationals and the World League Round 2 here in West Vancouver. Yeah, that was really tough because I was so close to being ready. If I, had, I feel like if I had pushed it, I could have maybe played, and I never would have been at 100%, and I possibly, probably would have got hurt again, so it's a really good thing I didn't. But it was, it was hard to um, find a way to, to really support the girls and um, try to help them with their own preparation while still focusing on mine, and I think it worked out pretty well. Um, through that aspect and I'm like I'm almost back now so I I feel like I'm in a good place and the Canadian women lucky to have Kathleen back in the lineup and she'll be one of the athletes vying for a spot at the Pan Am Cup and looking to help the Canadian women qualify for the World Cup in their last shot at the Pan Am Cup they need to win the Pan Am Cup to do that that's in August Uh, before then in other women's national team news the team has announced a super series in July on July 11th 13th and 19th and what this is is a way for the team to prepare for the Pan Am Cup so they're training right now and they're looking to get some game action uh, on July 11th 13th and 19th and this super series 
will be a combination of current national team athletes, some junior level athletes, and uh, select veteran alumni athletes and you know we'll save the names for a little later as they get confirmed but uh, some exciting prospects to see some former players from the women's national team rejoin the team on the field in uh, what will be an organized inter-squad series a really high level of hockey before they uh, head out to the Pan Am Cup in August. So more on that uh, upcoming on fieldhockey.ca and coverage of that when when we get there as well. So that's all for the women's national team for now. Stay up to date with all of this news and more as it happens at fieldhockey.ca. On now to this episode's feature interview. And today I'm pleased to welcome Canadian women's national team captain Kate Wright. Her story is not unlike many others at the national level. She was a multi-sport athlete growing up, and field hockey came into the picture a little later in life. But when it did, Kate quickly realized it was something she wanted to pursue, and pursue it she has done. Joining the program as a teenager, she has almost been through it all, and now is tied with Steph Jameson for the lead in senior games played for the women's national team with 168. She is set to break that record if and when she steps onto the field at the Pan Am Cup in Lancaster, Pennsylvania this August. And today she takes us through her journey in sport, hockey, and gives us a little insight into life off the field. You're the captain of the women's national team, the leader in games played, a leader off the field. Is this what you dreamed of when you were a kid? Um, Definitely. I grew up playing every sport under the sun. Uh, Field hockey kind of came to me in high school and I was able to excel quickly uh, in the sport. It was kind of a combination of everything I played. And um, I always had a dream of playing for Canada, whether that was ice hockey or field hockey. Uh, I always wanted to make that happen. And it's been a long journey, but um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of my career and hopefully it continues for a number of years. Where did that dream of representing Canada come from? Definitely came from my parents. Um, I have a big sporting background through my mom who competed for Canada in track and field and my dad who played in the NHL and they've always kind of pushed me and supported me to play every sport that I could um, and really find my passion and sports have definitely been it. Um, In high school I tried to play everything and I mean, everything. Like, uh, what's the most obscure sport? I mean, some would say it might be field hockey. but <laughs> Yeah, actually. Um, well, I I was on the badminton team. Okay. Which is, yeah, a, a great <laughs> sport. Um, and just really tried to play everything. So, ran cross country, played field hockey in the fall. In the winter, it was ice hockey for my high school team, ice hockey for a rep team volleyball badminton um and then in the spring it was soccer and and track and field so it was busy but um it really taught me how important time management is and how important academics are too so my parents always supported me in that way and my teachers were fabulous um in high school making sure I was able to kind of follow both passions so obviously when you were a kid, you, you talked about you just wanted to play sports and you had those role models as your parents. But you mentioned a little bit about why it's important for a kid to play a lot of sports, time management being one of them, academics. But what what athletically did playing a lot of sports allow you to do and, and how did it allow you to develop? Yeah, definitely. The development part um, is huge. So I'm 
playing all different sports kind of allowed me to find exactly what I loved and what I didn't like. Um, what I didn't like was hard to find, <laughs> but, um, you know, having hand-eye coordination, foot-eye coordination, um, being able to take a slap shot in ice hockey kind of transferred into field hockey. Um, and yeah, I really encourage all kids growing up to make sure they don't focus on one sport. It's easy to get burnt out. And as you know, I had a ton of different friend groups as well because I was playing ice hockey and soccer and field hockey and all over Ontario. So it really developed me as a kid kind of in, in all realms of my life. And what about uh, you know feeling pressure if you're focused on one sport to uh, to succeed in that sport? Uh, yeah. Did you ever feel any any pressure to to go somewhere with sports, or or was it always just a passion based thing? It was always a passion, and um, I was kind of lucky because I I fell into field hockey um, and loved it, and it's always been kind of natural for me. Um, sports has always kind of come as something that's easy um and obviously I've worked really hard at it but having that uh that passion that drive to to just kind of play um and that was really my focus in high school and all growing up was what sports can I play um and how many can I can I do yeah and so 168 games played on the senior level for Canada um I assume you didn't think you would get to this point when you started playing field hockey, right, in high school? No, definitely not. Um, I also played high-level hockey, um, actually, until I had to move out to Vancouver. That's ice hockey? Yes. So, yeah, yeah, we have to make the the differentiation, but ice hockey, um, and my dad was heavily involved in that, and my mom too, but knowing his kind of expertise in the sport really helped me and push me in in that side of things and my mom was more field hockey so we would so drive. how did you make the decision <laughs> I know well I was asked kind of to be a part of the national team for field hockey um just in grade 12 and thought you know what I love it um I love ice hockey too but if this is an opportunity that I can't pass up I can't pass up so you talked about, uh, you were about to talk about at least your, your mom and the <laughs> role mom. she played when you were playing field hockey in high school. Just talk maybe a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, growing up in Kingston, there's not very much field hockey. So I only kind of knew about the sport in grade nine. Um, there were some flyers in the hall and I said, hey mom, what do you think about this? And she said, do it for sure. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll try out, I guess. And like I said before, it was just a combination of kind of soccer and the way it's played strategically. Um, I shot right in ice hockey, which was an easy change over to field hockey. And then track and field and running kind of for that endurance and speed. But yeah, it was it was really my mom who fueled my dreams of playing for Canada. So she was on the Canadian Olympic team that... um, well, for track and field, she was making the Olympic standard um, in long jump, but not the Canadian standard. And so, okay, for the next year, um, or sorry, the next Olympics, Canada boycotted. So she had some pretty great disappointment um, there. She always wanted to go to the Olympics, and that really pushed me, and, and I know she wants me to do so well in, in sport. And 
she was the one who drove me to Toronto every single weekend. So there's a big field hockey hub in Toronto and we went every weekend, three hours there, three hours back. Um, if that was trying out for the Ontario team or playing club, um, she knew that this was something that I wanted to do and she she did everything she could to help. So Yeah, that's probably really important for, for someone who wants to succeed in sport to have yeah. support from, yeah. from whether it's you know family or friends, right? So for um, sure. maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but because you, you referenced it there, uh, she she dealt with some disappointment on the uh, on the Olympic side of things, and you guys have recently dealt with some disappointment yourself. Mm-hmm. What what have you learned from her and and even your dad, who uh, went on to you know become a, a general manager uh, in the NHL, uh, and obviously that's a tough job too, and and mm-hmm. maybe the way it ended a little tough for him too. So what have you learned from them about dealing with adversity in sport? Yeah, I've learned a lot from them, um, just in their careers and how they dealt with it was kind of they showed me the way so they you know they push harder they find different opportunities they work as hard as they can to make sure that the next time it comes around then something's gonna happen and uh yeah it's it's been difficult um you're always chasing that chasing that olympic dream and you know it's still not still not finished yet so um realistically for our group we're always pushing to make that Olympics, but this next one, 2020, is where I think we're going to really succeed. So this group of girls have been together and put in the time, put in the work, and gaining that experience as a whole. And I really think that this is this is our cycle. Yeah, so, it's your time. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get back to family for a second. Okay. Um, you're, you're part of the Gillis family. Very. Uh, you know, very well known in sport uh, mm-hmm. and very successful in sport. But now you're also a part of the Wright family. Yes. Um, and uh, that Wright family, very uh, well known in the field hockey circles and mm-hmm. very successful in their own right. Um, <laughs> pun not intended. Uh, talk about Phil, uh, and, who is your husband, yeah. and how that relationship came about. I suspect it came about uh, through your guys' involvement in the national programs. But how did that start yeah. out? <laughs> Um, so Phil was playing for the men's team and I think it was his second year. Uh, so he was pretty young too. Um, and this was my first year. So this is like, we're talking eight years ago. Yeah. Um, actually nine years ago. So I had just joined the squad and we were having a joint men's and women's, um, tournament or series against Chile at, UBC at right field. <laughs> right. Um, and Phil was injured. So he's unfortunately suffered a bunch of different injuries, um, broken cheekbone, like all sorts of different things. Um, so he was out not playing, but I spotted him um, and, and thought, hmm, <laughs> he looks nice. Okay. <laughs> um, I'd like there. to get to know him. And um so at that point, I was kind of going back and forth. Uh, I deferred that year to compete with the team. Um, so deferred from Boston College, where I was going down on a scholarship and uh, wanted to compete and, and try and qualify for those 2008 Olympic Games. Um, so Phil and I kind of got to know each other through actually his brother, Ant, uh, who played on the team as well. And... 
one thing led to another and now we've been married for eight months yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah i've been together for the last eight years so so is it safe to say that you made the first move then <laughs> let's see well, I had a major crush on him for sure. Yeah. So. Okay. Probably. So you made it known. <laughs> made it known. Um, wh- how does that work in a relationship <laughs> like that? Um, you guys both part of uh, not only the uh, the community that represents Canada in sport, but the same sport and in the same circles. W- was that a benefit to your relationship, or or did it did it mean for some difficult times? <laughs> no, it was. It's yeah. It was great so we were able to compete at a number of major games together um which you know you kind of see them from across the table in the dining hall and give a wave but it's been he's been such a support system for me and I've been able to support him in any way he's needed and it's it's great to kind of have that person to bounce ideas off of or even ask him for tips or different things like that and it's been, I'd say, difficult just when he's away or I'm away and that kind of distance, but it's definitely made our relationship super strong. And but if anyone's going to understand, you, you, you guys are <laughs> yeah. going to understand each other, We understand right? it, yeah. And um, we're very similar players, too, which is kind of neat. But, yeah, we're, it, was, it was great when we were playing together. Yeah, it was really fun. And what about um, competitiveness? Do you do you compete uh, with each other in terms oh, of making yeah. teams, and is that uh, is it fun? Or like I said, can it be a little contentious sometimes? <laughs> um, well, competing, we never really competed in the way of the Canadian teams, but like get a ping pong table out and <laughs> it's on for sure. Yeah. Uh, squash, kind of anything, we can um, challenge each other at, but it's always. It's always a good competition and fun in the end. Yeah. So what's, the, what's the best memory <laughs> hockey related in terms of your guys' uh, experience together? Um, I'd say all of our different major games. So the first one for me was Commonwealth Games in Delhi. And um, we were able to walk in the closing ceremonies together. And that was my first taste of kind of what a major games looks like. He was um, at the last Commonwealth Games in Sydney, uh, and or sorry, Melbourne. And he said it was awesome and something that I really looked forward to. And kind of sharing those moments with him is pretty special. Same at the Pan American Games um, in Mexico and in Glasgow. It, it's it's kind of nice to have someone there who knows you so well and is outside of the team. Um, it's just nice to have kind of two different support networks inside the village, which is different. Um, and then also when we were competing at the Pan American Games and he was in the crowd uh, when we won the bronze medal, that was a pretty, pretty special moment. Yeah, and then, you know, 20 years down the road when you reminisce on these times, it's not <laughs> like you've met someone who who has to imagine what it was like for you, right? Yeah, uh, He was exactly. right there al- al- along the way. Are, are you conscious of you now writing writing another chapter in the uh the right sports story yeah so that family is uh quite accomplished especially in the way of olympics um so phil's grandfather is olympian his mother his dad his brother and he was a reserve for the 2008 olympics yeah so uh joining that family can 
can be a little... A little bit of pressure. A little bit of pressure. But um, it's always been my dream to go to the Olympics, so nothing really changes in that respect. And it's great to have their experience and their memories. It's pretty cool to look back and see Thelma running 3,000 meter race at the Olympic Games and and just kind of, you know, relate to those those different competitions and, and those memories. So you're the captain of the women's national team, as I uh, mentioned right off the beginning. That comes with some responsibility. I'm just wondering how you approach it. Uh, some, some athletes might find that type of leadership uh, as, as a burden. Uh, did you view it that way maybe initially, uh, or, or how do you approach it? No, I've always, um, I've been a captain on a different number of teams uh, growing up. And it's always, for me, it's always been lead by example. So make sure you're working the hardest you can work. Make sure you're the best you can be at any given time. Um, and I think that's how I'm able to relate to my my teammates and my players is I'm going to show you guys how hard I'm going to work and I want you to work just as hard. And that's where the respect comes in and the reciprocation. And yeah, it's never been a burden. Um, I love leading this team and just being able to kind of look through my whole Canadian career and coming into the team as a young 17-year-old, not knowing anyone and only playing the sport for three years. It was a big change, life change for me. And I've I've grown up with this team now. So it's been great to have so many different experiences throughout my career because I can relate to every player on the team. So that young Jordan, who's coming in uh, to the team from Ontario, I know exactly what she's going through um, and the support that she needs. Or someone who's going to UBC and playing for the national team at the same time, I know what they need. And so being able to kind of draw on all those different experiences through my career has helped me become a better leader. How about that photo from World League Two of you and Jordan <laughs> her celebrating and you celebrating just as much on, on I, what might have been her first goal? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a really special moment. She's a great player um, and a great kid. And we're thrilled that she's coming and joining the program. And, you know, seeing her excel at World League was great. And being able to share that with her was pretty special. You mentioned you uh, you moved across the country to, to become a part of this program, and you were pretty young when you did that, yeah. uh, and relatively alone when you did that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Who on the team then stood out for you and helped you at that time? Yeah, so the team was a lot different back then. So I was the youngest by far, um, and you had girls like Sarah Forbes, who's amazing uh that she was a goalkeeper for Canada for a long time um and she was 34 at the time so she was my guardian on tour (laughs) but there was yeah it was different in the way that um there was a larger age gap and a number of girls were able to support me in that way and kind of take me under their wing like Katie Baker for instance um and she moved across the country too from PEI and kind of knew that experience and yeah it was it was a different team back then the team has definitely grown and changed and with the different competitions now and even different rules um it's really evolved and we're pretty proud of this program 
talk a little bit about the makeup of the team now. What what do you think the team's strengths are? And yeah, we we're super bonded, um, and that's taken a lot of time, and uh, you know, taken some disappointments and some losses, and shown how we have grown from those and have really come together as a squad. So we have girls ranging from 17 and I'm the oldest at 27, but we have everyone's kind of populated in that in those different years between. Um, So everyone brings a different experience and different outlook, whether they grew up in BC or are coming from Ontario. Um, They're all very committed and dedicated and that's exactly what you want in the squad so on the topic of disappointment um, obviously world league round two was uh was disappointing in the terms of the results um but sometimes you know teams need to go through those uh, those results to to be able to take the next step is that how you view this experience for you guys not uh, getting out of world league round two and having that shot uh, this i guess the second shot to qualify for the world cup Definitely. Um, So like we mentioned before, the team is young and we're still trying to gain that experience. And it's that experience in winning as well. Um, So we actually scored the most goals of any team at that tournament. And that's something we've been really working on. So we're kind of laying our foundation. We've got our defense down. Okay, now we're moving to our attacking side. And that's really what we wanted to show at World League. And I think we did. Unfortunately, we came up short in that quarterfinal and that tournament structure nowadays just knocks you right out. So we looked at that game, looked at that tournament and thought, okay, well, this is an experience for us to kind of put in our pocket and see, okay, we need now experience winning. So what does that look like? And we're finally scoring goals now. Okay, great. So we're able to kind of go through each tournament each game and and see improvements there but we know we're we're slowly closing that gap we just need that little bit more experience yeah and if and if that disappointment maybe wasn't enough then you guys now deal with you know funding being an issue um Mm -hmm. you knew about that earlier but now you deal with it and and it's kind of you know showing itself showing its ugly head in in sort of the the planning stages so uh, what what do you do as as a leader in terms of keeping the team positive in times where you know maybe it's a little bit more difficult off the field definitely we're we're feeling the stress um it's not a good situation to be in uh but we've we've really come to terms in saying you know what we are going to do anything we can to play and keep this program moving forward and one of my goals as a player has been to leave this program in a better place than when I found it and so I'm committed to making that happen. Uh, so off the field, we're doing everything we can. We're planning different events. We're trying to find any way to bring some money in um, to help in in any way, really. Um, but we're also trying to keep our focus because we have that Pan American Cup coming up in August. And so when we step on that field, we know it's all about field hockey. Uh, and it's kind of a nice way to live your life at the moment uh you're you're really thinking about things outside the field but when you get on that turf that's all that matters playing right so you said you're the oldest player on the team oh yeah let's <laughs> not easy to say. I, I, I know when i talked to thea uh, you know, yeah. in the last couple of years she, she always hated talking about being the oldest <laughs> on the team but um how much do you have left in you 
in, in terms of playing and going for those uh, 2020 Olympics? Like how much motivation uh, do you, lives inside and, you know, physically, like where do you feel you, you are? And, and then in terms of the, the strength of your game, um, mm-hmm. is it the best it's been? Are you at the highest level on, in all those three things? I think field hockey is such an experienced game that um, I'm finally kind of coming into my own, I feel. Um, you know, my first couple years on the team, it was it was five minutes a game or, you know, you're up in the video tower kind of watching that way. But um, yeah, I think in the last couple years, my game has started to really come to where I want it to be. Um, I'm fit physically. Uh, you know, the back is a little <laughs> tight sometimes, but that's field yeah, hockey. Right? Yeah. <laughs> My goal is to be at those 2020 Olympic games. Um, and, and that's what I want to do. And that's how I want to lead my team and, and bring everyone together and make sure we're, we're always striving for those Olympic rings. That's really important to me. But at the same time, you kind of have to think about it and, okay, what if that doesn't happen? Um, and one person who we've really gotten to know is Karen McNeil, um, an alumni of the program. And, and she talks about, you know, wanting the, the Olympic ring so badly, but not getting there. But you can't view that as a failure. You have to look at your career and see all the different players you've played with and all the connections and, and all the different accomplishments that you've been able to make, um, and really, you know, analyze your career in that way. You can't just always have it around this huge outcome goal, but of course that's always motivating us and pushing us. But yeah, so I'm pretty proud of my career to date. Um, There's been so many different milestones and so many amazing memories, but uh, yeah, there's a couple more years left for sure. Absolutely. Well, best of luck. Thank you. Kate really is a perfect ambassador for the sport of field hockey in Canada and worldwide, and I'm certain she has and will continue to inspire young athletes to pursue national-level dreams in hockey and other sports. Time to move on to what's ahead in the world of Canadian field hockey, and uh, we'll start with the World League semifinals, which I mentioned starts on June 15th, which is a few days from now, if you're listening to this podcast when it's published. Canada hits the field for the first time on June 16th against Pakistan. That game is at 10 a.m. Pacific or 1 p.m. Eastern time. Game two for Canada is on June 17th at 6 a.m. Pacific against India. And that's sure to be, uh, hopefully, for the Canadians, a tight match. They drew India at the Olympic Games, in which was by far their best game at the Olympics against a very higher-ranked team. So hopefully the Canadians can replicate that performance in London. And then the pool stage closes on Monday and Tuesday, June 19th and 20th with games at 6 a.m. and 4 a.m. respectively against the Netherlands and Scotland. The quarterfinals, if Canada should be there, are on June 22nd. The semis on June 24th and the finals are on June 25th. And be sure to stay tuned to fieldhockey.ca for all the tournament coverage. We'll have lots of photos and uh, recaps and Uh, interviews with the guys so uh, fieldhockey.ca starting on June 16th for World League semifinal coverage as we mentioned last episode uh, the VRC the Vancouver Rowing Club Jokers Field Hockey Club 
are holding a Just Because party, and that party is this Saturday, June 17th. Tickets are $15, and all proceeds, anything above and beyond the costs of the event, are going to Field Hockey Canada. They have been kind enough to uh, hold this fundraiser for Field Hockey Canada. The event is at the Vancouver Rowing Club in Stanley Park in Vancouver, and a link to buy tickets is up at fieldhockey.ca slash podcast in the show notes. In just over a month, the 2017 Field Hockey Canada National Championships kick off. The three categories are under 15, under 18, and under 23, and they're all to be held in Surrey, British Columbia. The U15 from July 18th onwards, the U18 from July 20th, and U23 from July 21st, all being held at Tamanuas Field in Surrey, British Columbia. Awesome venue. Uh, Teams and officials are really close to being confirmed and publicized. And when they are ready to go, we will publicize that at fieldhockey.ca. Um, there are event pages now up in the events category at fieldhockey.ca. On those event pages is where you're going to find the team lists and um, pictures and schedules and uh, all the uh, info you need to, uh, to get primed for the national championships. We will also have some preview material uh, setting the stage for the, the nationals. So look out for those. And finally, the women's national team have something special to announce. It's happening next week on uh, June 19th. And um, it's something that coincides with Canada's 150th anniversary celebrating Canadian culture and specifically hockey culture in Canada. So look out for that. That does it for episode two of The Scoop. Thanks for listening. Of course, follow us at fieldhockey.ca for anything that is breaking. On Twitter at FieldHockeyCan, Instagram at FieldHockeyCan, on Facebook at FieldHockeyCanada. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at communications at fieldhockey.ca with the subject podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next month.